<clears throat> three, and one coffee. Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR Etc. And I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today we're talking about our April Books on the Radar. We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest reads, and share some of our most anticipated April releases. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And if you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media or both. It truly helps us connect with other book lovers. Hey, Tina. Hi, Renee. How are you? Good. Good. It is a great morning. I love these episodes. I love, even this morning, it was like 10 minutes till recording. I'm like, maybe I need to browse this list and see if there's anything I missed. <laughs> it is so much fun I know. I to, to go over lists and see what books are coming and then have to really, really narrow down to just a few of our most anticipated. Mm-hmm. And I swear April is a big month for new releases. There is a lot of buzz. I noticed all four books I'm bringing are out on April 26th. I'm like, oh, all four? Yes. I never have done that before. And I didn't mean to. But I have my suspicion as to why there's a lot coming out toward the end of the month. Because usually it's the beginning. But I have my suspicion. We can talk about that later. Right. I know that is a big day. I have two... April 26th. I also have a debut and a nonfiction, and I'm excited about the mix. And I actually didn't even pick those on purpose to Mm -hmm. get such a mix. These are the ones that stood out Mm -hmm. the most to me. Yeah. Mine's kind of a mix, too. I had a bunch of, at first, because I did a long list, I had like three or four historical fiction. I'm like, what is my problem? Oh, wow. Very bizarre. I don't know. I'm in a mood, so whatever. That's, you know, you know how it goes with mood reading. I know. I know. Exactly. But I've had a resurgence in my mood for historical fiction, too, after The Diamond Eye. Oh, right. That one, it's it's just, I don't think I really read any historical fiction. I mean, I say that, but I probably, who knows, I probably read one or two last year Mm -hmm. and in 2020. And now all of a sudden, you're back. I want to binge. Kate Quinn's backlist. I'm I'm trying to figure out when I can do that. I'm very, I'm just excited. I, yeah. I kind of want to get back into that genre. And she somehow we tweeted about our episode, and um, I guess her publicist or somebody was like, "Oh, they tagged her and said, listen to this podcast about 54 minutes in.'" And Kate Quinn like replied and like made yeah. an excited gift. So, hi Kate, if you're listening, <laughs> maybe she I... subscribed. You never know. That would be awesome. And and stay tuned because I'm going to be bringing more, more of your books if you are listening. <laughs> right. There you go. Well, let me tell you first about my loving lately. And I've changed it like three times. Like at this point, okay. I'm <laughs> trying to decide like, <laughs> what do I want to bring? Do I want it to be? I, I try and rotate, you know, not always skincare, not always products, not always mm-hmm. TV shows, what have you. Today, I have a TikToker, a person on TikTok. Her name is Books with Lee. And she is a therapist and a book talker. And her goal for 2022 is to read a book from each country in Africa. So she comes on and like basically shares what she's thinking about. There are books set in each country in Africa, but also by authors from that 
country. And it was so interesting to follow her along in the process. I've been following her for a while. So she says as she's going through this process, she's learning a ton about Africa as a continent, sharing some books that are really well-known there and not known here at all. She's also doing a lot of books in translation. I love this challenge. This is such a good idea. And, like, it's really inspiring. I don't have discipline to do that, <laughs> to, to, like, set <laughs> pick a challenge and set out to do it. And I'm just, I admire that she's been able to keep this up. And she's just so positive. And you can tell she's just a positive person and really very much about encouraging people to read outside of their comfort zone, even if it's one book, even if you read one book in translation, like there's something to that. You learn about yourself. You learn about a different perspective. You learn about yourself mm-hmm. as a reader. So I really like her account. She has an Instagram as well, but it's brand new. She posts a lot more on TikTok. So her name is Books with Lee, and it's her reading a book from each country in Africa challenge. Okay. That sounds really good. If you had to pick, I'm putting you on the spot, if you had to pick a challenge that you were going to tackle for books, do you know what what you would challenge yourself to do? Well, I tried to make my own challenge, books that I wanted to read in my, it was my, I think, 36th birthday. And I picked 36 books that I wanted to read that year. I think I've now, it's, I'm 38, so it's been a while. No, actually, I think it's my 35th (laughs) birthday. Anyway, I still have only read half the books on the list. I'm just not good at picking out books to read. I'm terrible at a structured TBR. I just can't help it. I also really like Book Riot's Read Harder Challenges. They do a good one every year, and they're just specific prompts. So read a book by a transgender author or read a book, a romance by, you know, an author of color or whatever. They have really, really interesting prompts, and I always aspire to do it, and I'm terrible at <laughs> well, I think if I was going to do a challenge, I think I could easily challenge myself to read a book from a set number of countries. So a book set in Spain, a book set in France, a book like I would love to do that. Whether I could be disciplined enough to follow through is another story. Right. That's the key. I know that you're not super big into the international aspect, but I I think that sounds fun. So I could do that. That does sound interesting, though. Like, I feel like you, maybe that's something we can do next year as a challenge. I don't know. I'm really, I love to plan challenges and pick out books Mm -hmm. for challenges. Now, follow through is my, my issue. Right. Well, maybe we could do a challenge episode and we, and so just though the books that we bring for that episode will be part of a little small challenge we set for ourselves. That's kind of what we do here on this show. We every week are challenging ourselves to read under a certain theme. Well, exactly. Yes. But we'd each pick our own theme. See, every week now we're challenging ourselves to read under the same theme. Uh So what if we each pick our own theme and that's what (laughs) But it's just mood reading. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Okay. All right. We Well, that went in a circle. All right, Renee, what have you been loving lately? And, and I think we're doing a, a little opposites this week because I know last week I brought the book, a book related. Mm-hmm. And this week I'm going back to skincare. And I want to share my absolute favorite, uh, one of my absolute favorite cleansers. And it's the Clarins One Step gentle exfoliating cleanser with orange extract. Mm. I love this. I've used it for years. I mainly use this at night because, and you can use it every day. And that's the thing I love about this because 
I like a little exfoliation mm-hmm. on a daily basis, but I don't, sometimes they're too harsh. Yeah. This one is not, and it's actually made for dry skin. Oh, that's good. So that works really well for me, and it's good for dullness and uneven texture. And you can easily use this and still use a retinol after, you mm-hmm. know, in the, as part of the whole skincare routine. So I really like it. And Clarence is a really, so far I've had good luck with their products. So that's easy. That's really all I have to say. I love it. I buy it repeatedly and it's the Clarins One Step Gentle Exfoliating Cleanser. So what texture is it? Is it like a gel, like clear, or is it like one that foams up a lot? It doesn't really foam Mm -hmm. at all. It's more of a a thick, creamy texture. Mm -hmm. And you can feel the beads in it. Got it. They're okay. like they're that's where they put their like goodies, I guess, yeah. is in the beads. And yeah. so you you get that exfoliation, but it's also super moist. It doesn't dry my that's skin like a out. Hard line to walk through. at all. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Well I'm exactly. Intrigued. Maybe I need yes, to get a give sample. it a try. And it's orange. Oh, so it is. know that. It's that's how you yes. That, so because sometimes I've accidentally almost ordered one of their others, but gotcha. it's orange. So okay. you, that's how you know. All right. Well, let me tell you about my latest read. And I I love this author. So it's very hard for me to be objective. I read okay. I'll Be You by Janelle Brown. And this is actually an April release. Um, so I wanted to time it, time it right. And this one comes out on the 26th. So in I'll Be You, you have two identical twin sisters and former child actors, Sam and Ellie. They were very, very close as kids, but now as adults have grown apart until one of them disappears and the other is forced to confront the secrets that they've kept from each other. I will say she is Janelle Brown's author of Pretty Things, and I loved that book. Absolutely loved it. I think it's important to know going in that this book is very different. It's also not a thriller. If you come in thinking Mm. this is a thriller, you won't be satisfied because it's not. It's more domestic suspense, in my opinion, and much more about the relationship between the sisters than anything else. So as I mentioned, the tw- the twins were very, very close growing up, and they were identical to the point where their parents sometimes couldn't even tell them apart. Like People would mix them up often, and they got discovered when they were little and became B-list TV stars. And, you know, as children actors often do, they play the same role, right? Because they switch off and it has to do with work, labor laws, all of this. So then you flash to their adulthood and you can tell that their lives have taken a very different turn from each other. After leaving acting, Ellie became the perfect homemaker. She wanted a normal life. She wanted to be married and have a big family. They live in a house a few blocks from the beach and look successful from the outside. And Sam went the complete opposite direction. She has never, she tried to stay an actor, but it's very difficult for child actors to transition into the adult space as actors. And so she really never recovered from having failed as a Hollywood actress. And so she did fall into addiction, pills and alcohol. And and it's really, she had about 15 years of addiction, but she's been clean for the last year. However, Sam and her sister have not spoken to each other because there was one night something really bad happened that drove a wedge between them. Their father calls Sam out of the blue and says, hey, you know, Ellie is at this retreat. She's staying a few more days. Can you come help us with her daughter? And Sam is shocked to say, what daughter? She did not know that she now has a two-year-old. And turns out that Ellie's life is not that perfect. And this is not a spoiler. It's kind of the setup. 
her husband's moved out and she has this two-year-old girl and has stopped answering her phone and is in this mysterious spot in Ojai, California. So Sam's like, all right, you know what? No one has asked me for anything in a really long time. I'm going to go help. I'm going to take care of this little girl. And that goes from there. And this book had Mm -hmm. so many elements that worked for me. I love twin stories. Oddly, it's like I love twins in general. I'm just fascinated by them. And sometimes it can be overdone, but I thought this one worked well. I loved the L.A. setting. There's a lot of travel. They're on the beach. They're in Hollywood. They're up in Santa Barbara. So I loved the setting of it. And the story is told in three parts. And it really all leads up to what is happening at this mysterious retreat. But I will say it's much more about the journey to get to the retreat versus getting there. And like, and as I mentioned before, there's sections where we flash back to the girls' careers growing up, and then their rise to fame, and then their fall from stardom. I thought the author handled Sam's addiction problem very well. It, it didn't seem like it was this magic thing. Oh, I'm cured now. I haven't drank in a year. Like, she's very cognizant that it's a daily thing. I was rooting for Sam. I really, really liked her as a character. So this very much felt a, like it's a cult-like Nexium, if anybody's familiar with that, if you saw that documentary. I could not wait to figure out what all was going on. I think this would be a great book pairing with Cultish by Amanda Montel. Like, completely can see the two being a wonderful pair. If you like stories about sisters or if you like missing person stories, then I think this will work for you. This book is I'll Be You by Janelle Brown. Okay. I'm glad you gave us the scoop on that one. And that one comes out the end of April. So we've got a little bit of time. Good. All right. Well, my latest read is Backlist. So we've done a little bit of both for our latest reads. And I read Lies She Told by Kate Hollohan. Yes, I read this. This is, oh, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is a new-to-me author. I I really have no idea how it came across my path, but (laughs) this is about Liza Cole, and she is a novelist. And she's had one super successful book and has been chasing that super successful book Since then, she is on a deadline with her publisher, and she has one month to write the thriller that could land her back on the bestseller list. Meanwhile, in her personal life, she's struggling to start a family. Um, She's going through quite a lot of infertility, but her husband is distracted by the disappearance of his best friend and law partner, Nick. So as stresses start to weigh her down, she escapes into writing And gets an idea and just goes with it. And she decides to write about the chilling exploits of her latest heroine, whose name is Beth. And Beth is a new mother who suspects her husband is cheating on her while she's home caring for their newborn. So she's very angry. She feels very betrayed. And she decides to catch him in the act and make him pay. It's not long before her investigating leads her to places she never intended to go. One day comes when a body is dragged from the East River, and the question as to whether fact and fiction are intermingling begins. So this was so creative and so unique as far as a psychological thriller goes, because we get Liza's perspective, and there's a whole lot going on with her, and then we get to be in her writing process as she creates Beth mm-hmm. and we get Beth's story as if Beth is a real person. <laughs> and so the story alternates between the two. I ended up I did this one on audio 
And and for me, that worked perfectly. I, I didn't even have a print copy. So there's two narrators, and it was very easy when the, when the perspective switched between Liza and Beth. I think there are some critiques about this being confusing in print, maybe. I didn't have that. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not quite sure how that works in print. But what I really, really liked, and my advice is to not read anything else about this book, If this sounds interesting to you, just jump in. I think the Goodreads blurb gives too much away. I think reviews give too much away. What I loved about this was that it was fast-paced. It's a book within a book. You're essentially getting two suspense plots because there's things going on with Liza. There's a lot going on with Beth, and you get both those stories. I love that back and forth. It made for an engaging listen. It left me on the edge of my seat between perspectives. There is a lot of infertility talk and struggles in one storyline and a lot of daily life struggles with a new baby in the other. That didn't bother me, but I could see how that might bother some people. But the pace was so fast, and I love the literary tie-in of getting to go along with Liza as she crafts her story and how immersed she becomes in Beth, in writing Beth. And the fact, that, and, and we know that happens with yep. authors. Mm-hmm. They get so involved in their characters. So this made complete sense. And the fact that, that Liza's characters in her books, she tells us, are very much inspired by people in her real life. So that blending of fact and fiction mm-hmm. was really interesting My main issue and my main critique with this comes regarding the ending and the resolution. And and so I can't even say what what it was, but I did have an issue and it turned and it goes back to my personal literary pet peeve when a psychological thriller goes down a certain path involving mental health and memory and plot devices using those things. I didn't buy it, and that's my biggest issue, mm-hmm. um, which is okay. I still recommend this book. I still thought it was a fun, fast-paced, potentially one-sit read. So that was Lies She Told by Kate Hollohan. I remember this book, but it was a while ago that I read it. I also really enjoyed the how deep the author got into the mind of the author writing her character. Like it was mm-hmm. like kind of a kind of, you know, book within a book, but done very, very well. Yeah, it really was. I also listened to it and I think that's the way to go with this one. But other than that, I can't remember specifics other than I enjoyed it. Well, let's chat a little bit. Before we get into our April releases, we were talking a bit about ways that we squeeze in more reading time. Obviously, there's some people that read like 30 books a month, which is, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. That'll never be me. (laughs) Right, me either. I tend to stick somewhere around 7 to 13, (laughs) somewhere Mm -hmm. in that range. Which is a lot, right? Which is still still a lot, lot. but like also a wide range. It really depends. What about you? I've only once, which might have been, I think, January or February, read more than 10 Mm -hmm. usually. But when we were talking about like specific ways of reading more or fitting reading into your life more if that's what you want to do. And I know we've talked about easy things like, well, don't watch as much TV. But I mean, I was curious to see what other actual, maybe technology 
aspects would be able to help because we all use our phone so much. Mm -hmm. And what other outside of the box tips and tricks and life hacks might there be? I think that would be fun if we talk a little bit about some of those tips and whether we do any of these ourselves. Mm -hmm. So let me name off a few based on an article. And uh, and it was actually a life hack article that I found. I'll link to that. But I want to see I want to I want to name them and I want to see if we're doing any of these. Mm-hmm. So, here's a few. Borrow more books than you can read. Read more than one book at a time. Set a reading goal per reading session. Ignore what you should be reading. Quote, quote unquote should. Mm-hmm. Practice speed reading. Read digitally across all your mobile devices. Uh, read before going to bed. And join a reading community. Those are some okay specifics from this article, and then I and then and we can add a couple of our own to that list. Do you what do you do on that list? All but one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do all of this actually. The one that I don't do is set a reading goal per reading session. That feels too regimented. Although I absolutely can see how it would make mm-hmm. sense. I think that would work, especially if you are someone that doesn't read as like a hobby. Like it's not Mm -hmm. already ingrained in your everyday what you do. I think knowing and having, okay, read 30 minutes before bed on your schedule or in your mind, I think that would absolutely get you to make more time. You have to like fit it into your already busy day. That to me, I'm already reading in every pocket. (laughs) So it's not mm-hmm. something that I think would would not necessarily work for me. Have you? Do you do that? No, I okay. I don't do that. But I can totally see how that would be beneficial, mm-hmm. and only because, like you said, I am always reading. Yep. I don't I don't need to put that on my calendar mm-hmm. or schedule any time for that. It's just something that I'm always usually doing. Laura Tremaine advocates for using a twenty minute timer. Oh, and she talks a lot about just that 20 minutes, you can get through plenty of books that way. And so I think that's a great strategy for people. I love this idea. I've never heard, I haven't heard that one before, but specifically Mm -hmm. why I love it. I suffer from ADD (laughs) and it's not diagnosed, (laughs) but I know that it's true. I cannot, like I can't sit still. I'm always doing 15 things at once. However, I do this at work. If I'm like, okay, you need to knock out these 20 emails in the next hour, set a timer, do not do mm-hmm. anything else until this timer goes off. And that works for me to get things done. Yeah. So I can definitely see where this would work a lot for me is in getting into a book. I hate starting new books. I don't know if I've talked about that before. <laughs> I hate it because I'm like, who are these characters? I'm bored. Do I like this? Do I not? What's going on? Should I be reading something else? Like getting mm-hmm. into a book is very tough for me. But I like the idea of like a 20-minute timer to say, all right, if, if at the end of this you're not into it or yeah. don't do anything else for 20 minutes. Right. That actually might I can to- be something. I can totally I like. see that. Yeah. And we all know usually all of us are spending who knows how long scrolling. We've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. So maybe setting a 20 a timer for 20 minutes of reading and then saying, all right, after that, I can go do something else. Yeah. That would be a way to fit more reading into your day. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is actually a really great idea. So you mentioned reading across devices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I definitely How does it. that work for you? So I have my, <laughs> this, I'm almost embarrassed to mention it, 
what a privilege. But I have obviously the Kindle app on my phone. I have the Kindle app on my iPad and I also have a Kindle. So I've got three <laughs> digital devices that I can use to read electronically. And I will go through, I'll, I'll uh, go back and forth. I like reading on my Kindle a lot because there's no internet to it. And it's the, you know, if I'm reading on my Kindle, mm-hmm. that's the only thing I'm doing. I'm not looking anything up. I'm not browsing. I have to put my phone across the room when I'm doing that because I'm like, otherwise I'll I'll get distracted and want to look something up or Google something, whatever. So if I'm very serious about trying to get through a book, I will read on my Kindle itself. That's probably my favorite way to read, I think, if I'm trying to like really get into a into a book. But Mm-hmm. Of course, that then syncs with your Kindle app on your phone and your if you have your iPad. And I always read on my phone in the morning and right before bed. That's like the first thing I do and the last thing I do. I have like one eye cracked open. I'm like trying to like read. I get like one page in, <laughs> but, you know, it's still sometimes I get a few more. Right. Um, and that also works really well with the Libby, the Libby app yeah. through your library. You can put the Libby app on your iPad or and the and your phone and maybe use that as a way to read library books if you don't have a Kindle. Do you read through the Libby app? No, but I know but I have a Kindle. Got so, it. Okay. So I sent so I use the Libby app to but send, send it to Kindle. my ebooks yes. to my Kindle. Yes. But I know that that people do read through the Libby app, the Overdrive app, I guess. It's the Overdrive like yeah, it's Libby. Using Libby mm-hmm. and then reading on with OverDrive if you don't have a Kindle. That's a way to read library books. That's right. Because I know lots of people have Kindles, but I'm sure a lot of people don't have Kindles. So Can you still get the Kindle app even if you don't have a Kindle? Yes. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I only say that because I don't like reading through the Libby app itself. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. The interface, maybe it's just I'm not used to it, but I like reading through the Kindle app better. What a freaking niche problem. But it's true. I like I reading know. through Kindle. And I say yes. Like, I don't, I mean, I'm going off of just my initial, I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure that you can yeah. still you can. download the Kindle app without, without having, having Kindle. a Kindle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I don't read digitally across a lot of my devices. Mm-hmm. I'm very set in one device. Okay. <laughs> and that's also me. I, I still don't read more than one book at a time usually. Yeah. That's what I aspire to do, and I just don't know why my brain has such a hard time. It's possible for me to do maybe a nonfiction, like a true crime, something like that. I could be doing that, let's say, on audio Mm -hmm. and have a print book going at the same time, but then I I still don't usually do that because I get so invested in, like, obsessed about whatever particular story I'm into. And that's the one I stay with. But I do try to get that Mm -hmm. in multiple formats. Yes, I get that. So a couple things. I also, I love when I'm obsessed with a book and like, I cannot stop reading it. I must get into it. So when I'm reading multiple titles, invariably one will pull away. Like, okay, this Mm -hmm. is the one I'm reading now. Mine is a lot with format. I do also agree with you. I try and get whatever I'm reading on every format I can, like physical if I can, ebook, if it's audio, whatever. I try and get all of them, especially ebook and audio. The way that I do that is I'll request it through Libby or I'll look on Scribed because I have an mm-hmm. account there to see if it's, um, but I definitely love switching between audio and print if it's e or if it's a physical copy. That's like the best way for me to really get invested in a book. But I find by reading multiple books at once, I'm never stuck in between books. 
Like Mm -hmm. very rarely. And when I do get stuck in between, I'm mad. I hate that feeling. So having multiple going at once, I'm like, all right, I've already started this one. I already know the players. So let me see if this one pulls away. Anyway. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. The other thing I don't do is I really, I don't do a whole lot of active speed reading. I think uh I'm not trying to read fast. I'm not skipping passages and only reading dialogue. I don't do that. So I don't do speed I don't reading techniques. Speed read. I just do. Like I don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's not You're just naturally I, fast. Yeah. But I imagine the more that you read, the faster you get. I don't Very know if that's true, true but I, I think so. Right. The more that you're doing, I it, think it the, is the more proficient you get. Um, right. and we're not advocating to speed read more. So we're thinking, okay, it's busy season, it's spring, lots of things happening. So how do we, when things get busy, still continue to read? And Mm -hmm. still, you know, kind of, because I pretty much read the same amount of books year-round within, you know, two or three either way. The one on this list that stuck out the most for me is borrow more books than you can read. And I am a firm believer of that. Currently on my Libby app, I have 12 books checked out. Now, will I get to all 12? No, I won't. (laughs) However, (laughs) some of them are in multiple formats. So it's the same book, but I have the e-copy and audio And then some of them are ones that I sample for different, you know, different episodes. Mm -hmm. So I definitely agree to get more books than you can read because you never know if something's going to pick, going to grab you and you never want to be sitting there and not have a book. Right. Without options. It's always fun to have more options than you can Mm -hmm. read. That is for sure. Okay. I saw this in another space, another article, and I thought this was a great technology tip. Using your phone, we all usually have social media apps, and putting the Libby app, the Kindle app beside your chosen social media app, like for me, it would be Instagram. So putting my reading apps right beside that. So every time you go to open up, the social media app, you're seeing your reading apps. And it's mm-hmm. maybe, maybe you say to yourself, oh, all right, well, I'm going to do, I'm going to pull this up instead and read for a little bit, eat on my phone. Or if it's an audio book app, a place where you can get audiobooks, put that app there and then pull that and then just listen instead of opening the social media mm-hmm. app. And, and I love that. I love that tip. Yeah, because that's like a, a physical reminder. Like, hey, did you want to mm-hmm. read? Did you? Are you sure you want to open Instagram or do you want to actually read? Okay, <laughs> click on me right. instead. Exactly. I love that. Do you have any other tips and no? Thoughts? But I, oddly, so I've, I've had a couple people ask in the past, how am I able to find my place in an audiobook and a physical book? And I just am really good at it. I don't know why <laughs> I'm really good at guessing <laughs> like what percentage. Okay, if I'm on chapter 15, it's going to be about here in the audiobook. But the main thing I do is I will try and end on a chapter. So that way mm-hmm. I know, okay, this chapter began with Marge's perspective. And then I just listen and skip through the chapters in audio until it's till it matches up. But I will, if I'm if I know that I'm switching formats, I'll try and locate the place in the other format before I move on to something different so that I remember. Does that make sense? Right. Like I'll come oh, I'll, yeah. I'll do it quickly so so that I know, okay, when I'm listening to this, I know this is where I'm starting. Right. I do the same thing also between audio and if, if I have an imprint, I'll put a bookmark. I try to to stay in the same places. And if it's on my Kindle, I'll go to that chapter mm-hmm. and f- try to finish and make note on each place. As be- That way, if I pick up my Kindle, I'm, I know that I'm exactly where I stopped my audiobook. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. And so it, it does take a little bit of extra time. And obviously we do a lot of audiobooks, So that's one of our biggest tips and tricks. Yep. And it is to try to, I have people in my, in my life, I still can't talk into audiobooks, yeah. but maybe just give it a try. Find one of those narrators that you can just try a chapter or two and see if, if you can get into we will never an audiobook. Not, we will never not try and convince people to read audio. Right. Exactly. <laughs> my biggest tip, though, I'll wrap things up with this. My biggest tip for you, this is kind of an under-the-radar tip, is have a partner that works a different schedule than you. <laughs> so mm. John works second shift, and I don't. I work normal, you know, typical <laughs> nine-to-five, so he's not home. Oftentimes when I'm off work, so I'm like, well, what else am I going to do, you know? So that is how I'm able to get so much reading done during the week. That's when I do most of it is when he's not home because— mm-hmm. If he's home, like, I feel like for you, you know, your husband's home at night. And so you guys are like watching TV or like doing things, you know, like, like normal. So it interrupts your reading time. Yeah. But well, that's where my one AirPod comes in. And this is, it's not a secret. (laughs) He knows I, (laughs) he knows I do this, but I have, I will be quote unquote watching TV together and I have an AirPod in. And then every now and then if he asks me a question and I'm like, what? And he, he'll just, he'll go, do you, are you listening to a book? I'm like, maybe. I love that. That makes me so happy. Okay. But we're still together. Right. I just, gosh, yeah, I, I usually, like I said, I'm usually into a book. It's more often than not a, an audio book. I love that it's feeling. It's so it's so hard for me to to stop. I tried to explain to him. Mm-hmm. I was like, but I, it's like I'm watching a movie in my head. I just can't. It's a, it's like a, it's You're a good it. part. I can't just stop right. it. My favorite <laughs> experience is when I have an audiobook on a weekend. I'm like, all right, I'm going to read this all weekend. I'm going to the store. I'm at grocery at the grocery. Mm-hmm. I got one AirPod in. Then I'm bringing the groceries in. I put my AirPods in. Like it's a real <laughs> obsession. That doesn't always happen. It has to be like a really specific book that like really sucks mm-hmm. me in like that. But oh, that's the best. It is. All right. All right. Well, let's, well, let's talk about April releases. And it sounds like both you and I tried to pick the ones that weren't the most buzzy books in April because there was a lot of big ones coming out, which is why I think April has a lot toward the back of the month that are that's mm-hmm. like newer ones or debut are coming out toward the back of the month. Or maybe I'm just assuming. But ones that I'm going to quickly mention that are not on either of our lists. These are ones that we've typically mentioned on the show already. We've got... Memphis by Tara Stringfellow coming out on April mm-hmm. 5th. Don't miss that one. That one's one that I loved. We have a new Emily St. John Mandel, Sea of Tranquility. Adam mentioned this one on our episode with him. That comes out on April 12th. You have Funny You Should Ask by Alyssa Sussman. That was Claire's pick. And that one also comes out on April 12th. And then on April 26th, we have Like a House on Fire by Lauren McBrayer, mm, yes, which is a Renee. Yes, yes, yes. You're going to all have to read it and discuss it with Renee. I know that I plan mm-hmm. to. And then finally, one I want to mention is The Fervor by Alma Katsu, also off on April 26th. Oh, yeah. Wow. I, for- I forgot how many awesome books we've oh, already gosh, mentioned. So many good books coming out this month. And that's just like a, like a sprinkling. So do you want to tell us about your first book? Yeah, because I have an April 12th release I want to tell you about, and it's Unlikely Animals by Annie Hartnett. And this is one of the millions most anticipated books of 2022. And this is about Emma Starling. She is a natural born healer, 
she is also a medical school dropout. She had big plans for her life. Things are not working out as she hoped for, and she's decided to go back to her small town in New Hampshire to help care for her father, who is dying from a mysterious brain disease. Now, her father has been hallucinating small animals, as well as having visions of a ghost of a long-dead naturalist who was once known for letting wild animals live in his house. And this ghost has been giving her father some ideas on how to spend his final days. That in itself would have had me. But then we find out, once Emma gets back, she also has her mom's judgment to deal with. She has a younger brother who has recently been in rehab. And she finds out that her former best friend from high school is missing. And there's no one looking for her Mm. because police have decided that they don't have that much time to spend looking for drug addicts. However, Emma's dad is convinced that the young woman is still alive. And he and Emma set out to work together and try to find her friend. This is a story about coming of age. It's a story about small towns, and the very real opioid crisis. It's billed as a tragicomic novel, which I'm very fascinated by that. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that says there's probably f- maybe funny and sad parts, which I am all for. Um, it's about family and friendship and resurrecting that which we had thought had been lost. This was Unlikely Animals by Annie Hartnett. And I will say, when I was going over the synopsis, this gave me the vibes of Goodbye Vitamin. Oh. I don't did you, I don't know if you read that no. one. Mm-mm. Did you? Obviously. Yes. I okay. loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Okay. Um, I did love that book. And I'm just going off of the synopsis. Oh, I yeah. don't know if there's any similarities, but I will report back on that. Yeah. I like that. I really like the idea of this. And the little added mystery. So, okay. This one was on my list too. I'm super excited about it. And then I was like thinking, I'm like, huh, what grabbed Renee about this? And then it's the the friend, the missing right. friend. I'm like, ah, yes. Because I like weird. Like, I, it sounded very quirky to me. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, all right. That's kind of a me book. But that makes sense. When you started explaining <laughs> it, I'm like, uh-huh. Okay. So we can both yes. enjoy that one. First for me, actually, I lied earlier when I said they're all at the end of April. I have one on April 19th. This one's called Benefit okay. by Siobhan Phillips. And the reason I picked this one, it's about academia, which, you know, is always going to get my attention. This is about Laura, a student from a modest background who escapes her small town to join the ranks of the academic elite on a Weatherfield Fellowship to study at Oxford University. She enthusiastically throws herself into her coursework, but she's never really able to escape the feeling of unease she has being among her fellow chosen students of promise and ambition. Something doesn't sit right with her. And so fast forward years later, she's back in the U.S. as a Ph.D. and has written a dissertation on Henry James, but she loses her job as an adjunct professor and reconnects with the Weatherfield Foundation. And they basically commission her to write a history for its centennial. By doing so, she becomes obsessed with the Gilded Age and the origins of this very grant that she had been given to go to school. And she's invested in the Weatherfield fortune, which is 
as you might guess, rooted in the exploitation and misery of sugar production. So she gets lured back into the abandoned friendships within this glimmering group that she had left behind. She discovers hidden aspects of herself and others. I grabbed this one because I like that it's set in academia. I also really, really like that it addresses the university hierarchy, the privilege, and the sometimes greed that's enmeshed within philanthropy. So I thought this one sounded interesting, something a little different. And this one's called Mm -hmm. Benefit by Siobhan Phillips. Oh, wow. I've not heard of that one. So I want to know what she finds about the sugar. Like, yeah, I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't know the history of it. I mean, I have my suspicion. So we'll have to see. Yes. This is like wealthy people having secrets. Well, that's, you know, that's kind of the, mm, okay, let's Mm -hmm. see. It also reminded me a little bit of The Tobacco Wives by Adele Myers that I really enjoyed earlier in the year. A different take on it, but she uncovers like the history of tobacco. And obviously we know why tobacco is harmful, but I'm curious about this. All right. Well, my next book is my nonfiction, and it's called Free by Lauren Kessler, and it comes out April 19th. And Lauren Kessler is an immersion reporter, which I didn't know what that term was, but what immersion reporting is, is when a journalist immerses themselves in a situation with the people involved for an extended length of time. So the question that led her to spend two years in preparation for writing this book was the fact that 95% of the millions of American men and women who go to prison eventually get out. 95%. Whoa. And what happens to them? Right. So in this story, she follows Arnaldo, who came of age inside a maximum security prison And he is now free after 19 years. You have Trevor and Catherine who spent half their young lives behind bars for terrible crimes committed when they were kids. You have Dave who was in prison for 34 years and is now about to re-enter an unrecognizable world. Vicky, who had cycled in and out of prison for more than a third of her life. All of these people are simultaneously happy but overwhelmed at the prospect of freedom. What it sounds like the book is going to be about is what roads do they have to travel to go from being in in prison to being free? How do they navigate the world when you've been in prison for so long? There's emotions, there's anxiety, confusion. Um, Some of them are terrified of being free. Mm -hmm. And they aren't prepared to face the challenges of being free. So we all know that our justice system is not equipped and is not providing what they say is going to be either rehabilitation and or punishment. It's a flawed system. So what happens if 95% of the people that go either for punishment and or rehabilitation, they get out. How do they reintegrate back into society? And that's what she's looking at. So she's going to to look at the logistical roadblocks. What is out there, the bureaucracies, the lack of resources, and the social stigmas of being a person who was in prison and has served your time, Mm -hmm. and now you're out, and you, you need to 
you want to be back into society. What does all this look like? The mental health challenges. I think this is going to be a really interesting and very thoughtful look is is what I'm expecting from this. And she also really wants to examine the truth about life after lockup. And I think it sounds great. It's free by Lauren Kessler. And just based on the synopsis, my immediate thought was, I bet this would be a good nonfiction book flight with The Sun Does Shine by Anthony Ray Hinton. And he struggled with Mm -hmm. life after prison. And then a fiction book flight with The Good Son by Mm -hmm. Jacqueline Michard. That's exactly what I thought was The Good Son. Mm -hmm. That's what the whole you know, set up right. of the book is, is this son right. gets out and people are not happy. That sounds fascinating. Right. Yeah. I'm really glad you found that one. I know. I am too. It's, it's, it sounds really, really interesting. What's next for you? Next up for me is In the Face of the Sun by Denny S. Bryce. She is the author of Wild Women in the Blues. This one comes out on April 26th. This is historical fiction told in dual timelines. You have 1928 LA and Chicago in the 1960s. So in Los Angeles in 1928, there is a newly built hotel called Hotel Somerville, and it's the hotspot for the city's glittering African-American elite. It embodies prosperity and the dreams of equality for all, especially for Daisy Washington. Daisy is an up-and-coming journalist who anonymously chronicles fierce activism and behind-the-scenes Hollywood scandals in order to save her family from poverty. So that's what she does to help provide for her family However, power in the city of angels is also fueled by racism, greed, and betrayal. And even the most determined young woman can play too many secrets too far. So it sounds like something happens there. Then we flash forward to Chicago, 1968. You have Frankie Saunders, who has fled across America to escape her abusive husband. And she goes to stay with her aunt, who is Aunt Daisy from years before, who was the anonymous reporter. We find out that Daisy is still reeling from her own shattered past, and she has secrets of her own and is hell-bent on getting back to L.A. to confront a decades-old Hollywood mystery. And I'm like, all right, well, I want to know what happened. Frankie Mm -hmm. is the same way. She's like, I don't really want to go back, but you know what? I'm up for it. I'm along for the ride. I love my aunt. Let's figure this out. And I love the sound of two strong-willed Black women taking on some of the Hollywood elite. I also like the time period. And of course, there's a Chicago tie-in. So I'm like, all right, let me let me give this a shot. This book was called In the Face of the Sun by Denny S. Bryce. I haven't heard of that one either. Wow. Good job. All right. My next book is When We Fell Apart by Soon Wiley. And it comes out April 26th. And this is a debut. And this is about a guy named Min, and he grew up in California, but he always felt that that wasn't his, he felt too Korean. He is a Korean American. His father was American. His mother was Korean, and he just never felt like that was his place. So he decides to move to Seoul and explore his Korean heritage. And what happens is he meets a girl and they fall in love and she is successful, ambitious, happy, and is on the cusp of graduating from her university and claiming the future she'd always dreamed of. However, 
a day comes and he is informed that she has committed suicide and he cannot believe it, cannot believe it. And he throws himself into finding out why she could have secretly wanted to die or did she? Mm. She has a very controlling, powerful government official father. She also has a very fraught friendship with her alluring and destructive roommate. So this makes you wonder what was going on in her life that he didn't know about? And could any either of these people had had played a part in her death? So the more he learns about her life, the more he begins to doubt whether he ever really knew her at all. So in this story, we get Min's story, and then we also get his girlfriend's story, which it sounds like is going to be equal as equally fascinating, if not more fascinating than his. The publisher is billing this as a page-turning suspense novel that looks at questions of cultural identity, family bonds, secrets, and what it means to truly belong. And I chose this one because it does feel like it's very it's in the literary fiction genre, but to me it feel it feels like it's going to be a literary mystery. And I really like I really like that aspect because I already want to know what really happened to her mm-hmm. if she didn't really commit suicide or maybe she did, but that whole thing is a mystery. And I also really, really love stories that examine how well we really know people, yeah. especially mm-hmm. if during the story we find out, we have one character that finds out that someone very important to them is someone that they didn't really even know. I love that. So that's why I picked this one, and it's When We Fell Apart by Soon Wiley. Ooh, I haven't heard of that one. Okay, good one. All right. Is that your debut? That is my debut. Okay. Yes, that is a debut. Yes, mine April is- April 26. My next one is also a debut. It is Such Big Dreams by Rima Patel. Also comes out on April 26th. And in this one, you have Reiki. She is a 23-year-old haunted by the grisly aftermath of an incident that led to the loss of her best friend 11 years ago. She is constantly reminded that she doesn't belong. She lives alone in a Mumbai slum, working as a lowly office assistant at Justice for All, which is a struggling human rights law organization headed by the renowned lawyer who gave her a fresh start. And even though she's basically shunned from society, she's obviously fiercely intelligent and isn't afraid to speak her mind, even if she's underestimated by those around her. And her life's going on. It's not much, but she's managing until Rubina Mansoor comes into play. They are a fading former Bollywood starlet, and she kind of tries to edge her way back into the spotlight by becoming this celebrity ambassador for Justice for All. And the former star comes in, guns blazing, has a lot of ideas for the organization, and eventually she demands an internship for a young family friend from Canada. And this this man is a Harvard-bound graduate student. He's ambitious, persistent, naive, and he persuades Reiki to show him the, quote, real India. And in exchange, he'll do something to further Reiki's dreams in a transaction that seems harmless 
at first, but it sounds like things get a little complicated and things don't go well. And Reiki has to come face to face with the difficult choices that she made and the moral compromises that people make in order to survive no matter the cost. I liked the idea of a book set in India, especially she lives in the Mumbai slums, the former Bollywood starlet. I'm like, all right, I'm interested. And I wonder what this Mm. Canadian grad student is offering her. Like, how is that going to tie in and why does it end badly? So I'm very curious about this one. It is, and it's got a great cover too. It's called Such Big Dreams by Rima Patel. That's so crazy. I That's now book three. I haven't heard of I don't, any <laughs> of your books. Well, you oh know. Oh my gosh. Wow. I bet you've heard right, of the last good. one. I bet you've heard of my last okay. one. Okay. What is it? This is my most, okay, this is my most anticipated for April, and it's a trusted author. It's a trusted author for me, and it is The Children on the Hill by Jennifer McMahon. Mm-hmm. Comes out April 26th. Oh, okay. This book is, I guess, inspired by Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, oh. which I haven't read. I don't know. Really, I don't know anything about it, but Oh, that book has this a fascinating is, backstory. Anyway. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I mean, it makes me want to Google now, but This is an eerie mystery of childhood and the evils perpetuated by the monsters among us. And you've got two alternating timelines. The first, in 1978, at a renowned treatment center in Vermont, you have a psychiatrist, Dr. Helen Hildreth. She's acclaimed for her compassionate work with the mentally ill. But then when she's home, she has... Her grandchildren, who she loves, V and Eric, and to them, she's just Gran. She teaches them how to take care of their pet. She helps cook them home-cooked meals, and she provides them with care, attention, and love. And then one day, Gran brings home a child to stay with the family, and her name is Iris. She is silent, skittish, feral, and does not behave like a normal girl. However, Violet, or V, is thrilled to have a new friend, and it's not long before she and her brother Eric invite Iris to join their monster club, where they catalog all kinds of monsters and dream up ways to defeat them. And slowly but surely, Iris begins to come out of her shell. She, V, and Eric do everything together. They ride bikes. They go to the drive-in. They meet at their clubhouse in secret to hunt monsters. Because, as V explains, monsters are everywhere. Now, the alternating timeline is in 2019. And we have a popular podcast host named Lizzie Shelley. And she hosts a podcast called Monsters Among Us. And she is traveling to Vermont, where a young girl has been abducted, and a monster sighting has the town in an uproar. She is determined to hunt down the monster and help find the young girl. Because as Lizzie knows better than anyone, monsters are real, and one of them is her very own sister. So this is billed as a haunting vividly suspenseful page turner. There is absolutely nothing about either of those timelines I do uh, like that doesn't grab me. Mm-hmm. I love the way Jennifer McMahon does alternating timelines. 
And I don't say that about many because yeah. many books because that's not no, that's not my thing. She does. She is brilliant at alternating timelines. Her books, like two of my favorite books by her, are Winter People and Burn Town. Okay, I know oh, I talked right. about Burn Town. You yes. brought Burn Town to the yeah. show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, I love them. She's so good at what she does. I can't wait for this. It's The Children on the Hill by Jennifer McMahon. Yes, and the cover's gorgeous on that one. Oh, it's good. Mm, it's it's, a, a good it's like a very it's like an estate looking house that's on like on fire. Yeah. Really striking. And then this is my last book. This is the one that I said was very Tina. So I'm glad we're ending okay. on a high. I'm very excited. It's called The Wild Girls by Phoebe Morgan. This one again is 426. This one is supposed to be for fans of Lucy Foley and Ruth Ware. And it's a wicked and atmospheric thriller about a group of old friends who plan to reconnect on an African safari vacation, but soon learn that their wild pasts have finally caught up with them. So it's been years since Grace, Felicity, Alice, and Hannah were together. Back in college, they were known as the wild girls, but they're not wild anymore. Alice is a teacher. (laughs) Hannah has a new baby. Grace is a homebody. But Felicity seems to have retained some of her former spark. Then Felicity invites them all on the weekend of a lifetime, birthday bash in Botswana. And this will be a chance to have fun and rekindle their relationship and finally put that one horrible night all those years ago behind them for good. But soon after arriving at the luxury safari lodge, a feeling of unease settles over them. There's no sign of the party that was promised. There's no phone signal. They are on their own and things start to go very, very wrong. Are you kidding me? This is me <laughs> to a T. We've got an awesome setting. We've got friends that are frenemies, possibly. Mm-hmm. We've got something really bad that happened when they were younger. They're back for a reckoning. I want it right now. Like, I want it. So this book, I immediately requested it on NetGalley. I'm going to read it as soon as I can. It's The Wild Girls by Phoebe Morgan. Oh, good. Oh, and I hope All it's right, good. Well, oh, high hopes, man. I hate, I'm like... It's like almost the anticipation is almost better than reading it sometimes. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. Sometimes. I mean, you do. You like lock. That's a locked room locked mystery. Room mystery it too. really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and I'm I like, hope Botswana. everyone. I'm like, what What do they get into in oh. Botswana? Like, I want to know what's up, what's right. going on. That's, that's it. They could go on a safari. There could be animals involved. There could be. I'm like, oh, I want to know. Anyway. <laughs> that does sound. I love that. Yeah. That's a, that's a new to me setting. Yeah, I, hope I don't do, think I, yeah. I hope they do it justice. We'll see. Okay. Well, lots of choices That's today. Fun. That was fun. That was you fun. brought me four that I have never heard of. Same here. I've heard of, I think, two of your four. So lots yeah. to look well, at. Well, that's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our podcast out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content, you can join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash booktalk, etc. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. Did you drink your coffee yet? I, yeah, I drank it all. I, I figured I better not bring more just so yeah. I don't start talking super fast. I know. I feel like mine hasn't. <laughs>
hit yet. So right about when we start getting into book lists, I'll be like, how long is it? 